0: In each episode, I share actionable strategies that you can implement in your life, plus inspiration along the way. So come join me for this episode of The Brendan Burns Show. Welcome ladies and gentlemen. This is episode two in our three-part series on how I quit pornography, And I am so excited for this one. Last episode, we talked about my backstory, how I initially got into pornography, why it was a problem, where I am today, how I quit a little bit. But this is the deep dive. This is the episode that we've all been waiting for, how I actually quit porn. And there's not just one thing, but there's a bunch. So get out your pens and start getting ready to take some notes because I got some juicy stuff here. The first thing that I did And I'm going to lay out the first bunch of things, by the way, like there were some good, there were some not so helpful. But the first thing that I did was I hired a coach who specifically had overcome exactly what I was looking to overcome and had a blueprint and a game plan for me and supported me in that process. And when hiring a coach or therapist, I highly recommend looking for the right fit for someone who has the life or has overcome exactly what you're looking to overcome. And that you resonate and connect with. You feel like this is a safe person that you're going to feel comfortable opening up to. And they also have that like rough edge where they're going to push you at the same time. So they'll challenge you to be better. You want to feel safe and be able to disclose and also feel like they are pushing you and in some way, not intimidating you, but definitely going to hold you accountable and not let you sabotage or get in your own way. And so George Collins was that for me. He wrote Breaking the Cycle. I read his book. Resonated a lot with me. Very mindfulness based based approach, like Eckhart Tolle, and I worked with him for a few years, one on one in a small group. Both met weekly. I went to two annual retreats of his, and that was really helpful in getting me very much out of the closet, out of the dark, out of the secrecy of my porn addiction, and shining a lot of light on it. And so, you know, when I think about oh, how I actually became sober and thinking about most recently getting involved with an amazing 12-step group at my local church, I've been really careful to not give all the credit to that church 12-step group and none of the credit to George, because was the 12 steps uh, the, the, the best thing and the most helpful thing that worked, or was it just the last thing I did after building a long foundation of inner work? And so it's kind of both. I think it was the best, and I'll talk more about that, obviously, in this episode, but just because working with George and his groups did not get me over the finish line of sobriety. I don't want to minimize how powerful and impactful working with him and his group was because I really started to open up with other men and other people and share about my addiction and share and get it out of the secrecy and the shame because addiction is so often fueled by this shame cycle where We have this pain in our life that we're carrying or whatever is triggering the initial acting out, typically some kind of emotional pain or emotional overwhelm. So we seek to run away from that pain and escape it by going into some kind of behavior such as drugs, alcohol, or porn. Now you're using the porn and then right when you finish your binge or acting out, whatever that looks like, you then feel this great ecstatic euphoria of the high of the release but then it comes crashing down into this overwhelming feeling of shame and guilt for what I did. And that shame and guilt just continues to fuel the cycle around and around of going that shame and guilt, going back into the wanting to act out over and over. And so his book, George's book is actually called breaking the cycle. And you're breaking that pattern by instead of taking your shame and guilt right back into the addictive behavior, you're taking that to a sponsor, a mentor, a group, a higher power. And, Letting that go and surrendering that so it doesn't trigger the continuous behavior. So, working with George Collins, or and for you, it might be working with any kind of uh, porn addiction coach or therapist. I would definitely recommend looking into that because it did help me. And like I said, it wasn't the last thing that got me over the finish line. Had I stuck with it longer, maybe it would have been, um, but it was very helpful in my recovery. Now, I want to talk a little bit about a framework that helped me get to a period of sobriety. And it's called the six human needs, which Tony Robbins teaches a lot. And the main needs are certainty, uncertainty, love and connection is one. So that's number three, love and connection, and then significance. Those are the core four. And then there's two spiritual needs of growth and contribution. And what Tony has said that I like is that once three, once any behavior in your life meets three or four of these six human needs, it's technically an addiction. And he'll say that there are positive addictions and negative addictions. So my job, as long as I'm not overdoing it or being a workaholic, can actually be a positive addiction because it provides me a lot of certainty. It provides me a lot of uncertainty. It provides me, it provides me all six of them, actually. So for sure, it could technically be classified as addiction, but so could surfing, right? There's a lot of uncertainty in the waves. There's connection with doing with other people. There's the feeling of significance of being empowered, being up, standing up, riding a wave. There's growth for sure. I'm pushing myself as a person. That's four needs right there. So just because an activity meets a lot of your needs doesn't mean it's a negative thing. But with pornography, it absolutely was. So you get a lot of uncertainty. With pornography there's so much out there there's so many different types you never know what you're gonna get so you can bring a lot of uncertainty into it there's actually a lot of certainty in addictive use of any drug really because you know with certainty that you're gonna feel really good every time pretty much so there's actually certainty there's uncertainty there's connection because in pornography porn is a cheap substitute for intimacy but there is still some feeling of connection. To either the opposite or same sex or both, depending on what you watch, you're typically envisioning sexual uh, encounters. And so even though you're not actually participating in that loving connection, it's still there and you feel closer to it than maybe not engaging in pornography viewing. So that's there significance, how significant you feel you're in control, you can watch whatever you want. So right off the bat, you can meet all four of kind of the core four human needs with pornography. And so, one of the things that I had to do as I got closer to finally quitting, which happened in the uh, end of March of 2021 for me, um, was finding replacements to meet those human needs in different ways. Because we as humans will find ways no matter what, because we have minimum baseline needs for certainty, for example, all needs, but certainty is a huge one for everyone. We have to have a stable, feeling of certainty and trust in our lives. And if you're not building that certainty and trust through, for example, a relationship with God, through a relationship with a higher power, through stable community that's reliable and people who you know you can count on, through having a steady job and steady income. For example, when I went through periods of my life where certainty went down, like starting my own business, that saw increased pornography use because I wasn't putting in other things that were healthier to make up the gap for the uncertainty that started to take over. So looking at each need really carefully and saying, okay, well, how can I actually meet that need in a better way? And so for me, the two biggest needs that pornography met were love connection was probably number one. And number two was um, probably certainty. I call I I think about it as self care. So that's probably certainty or significance for me. And so pornography became a go to behavior for me to take care of myself instead of going to a spa, taking a hot shower, learning how to take naps, learning how to relax. It became let me go to pornography to get back into my body to calm down to get connected to myself to relax to unwind. And so I was actually abusing pornography, abusing my body, abusing my sexuality because I didn't know what I was doing and I didn't have better tools to meet my needs for self-care and for certainty. And so that was one. And the other, like I said, was connection. So I was very much isolating when I was living in New York city and then even more during COVID. And then again, when I had moved to California from New York and didn't know anybody yet. And so I found my needs for connection being met through pornography. And when I came to California, one of the reasons why now I have this sobriety that's just continuing to snowball in a positive way is because my connection to other people is just continuing to grow every day. I am pouring into people. I'm being poured into. I have made community Like minded community and personal development, people and connection like deep, fulfilling, rewarding connection with other people a massive, massive priority. Now, that actually used to be quite challenging for me because I didn't have good boundaries and good skills for building close, deep, personal, interpersonal relationships with others. So, one of the things that I actually did with George in my coaching work, which you might want to do. If you're having a hard time getting close and connected with other people is think about who do you need to become to feel safe and connected and trusting of other close, safe people in your life who can help you meet your needs for connection. And doing that in a one-on-one setting was a good start for me. Like I would really be proactive with my friends in New York to meet up for coffees and to meet up for dinners and whatnot. But there's something about being with groups of people where you can have a lot of different interaction with people in community-based settings that felt even deeper and even more fulfilling for me. And so when I got to the stage of turning, say, 30, and a lot of my friends started to get married and have children, it became very challenging to recreate those healthy group interactions and environments that we need to get our needs for love and connection met. And the classic uh, study on this is actually the Vietnam heroin study, which was that in the 1970s, there was obviously a war in Vietnam between the North and the South, and it was a proxy war, and America obviously got involved, and we sent all these troops over there, and it was a very tough war. It was very bloody. A lot of people died. Uh, There was really no end in sight. America... Ultimately, spoiler alert, pulled out and it was a bad situation. And these American soldiers, many of them became addicted to heroin because it was such a depressing environment and war over there in Vietnam. And so when we started pulling out of that war and bringing troops back to America, there was this great fear that all of we didn't want to reintroduce all these young American men, male soldiers who had these intense drug addictions. What would happen if we brought them back to America? Would they bring drugs back with them? Would they, would we be like sort of importing um, a lot of these drug addicts and what would that do for society? And so there was a lot of fear and controversy around that. But what happened was they brought, they wound up bringing everyone back and observed that all these soldiers, their heroin addictions pretty much went away like immediately, if not almost immediately. And the scientists studied this dynamic and initially couldn't understand it, but then came to realize that the reason why all these soldiers stopped using heroin is because their needs for connection with other people were being met again. They were uh, reintroduced to their wives and their families and their children and their communities and their jobs and people and meetups and churches and their parents and their grandparents and their families and as soon as all those needs were being met again, which can't be met when you're in a bunker alone or with a few other men in Vietnam killing each other, they were going to drugs to meet the needs for connection, to meet the needs for certainty, to meet the needs for significance, um, maybe a, a safer way to meet their needs for uncertainty, because their other version of uncertainty was, "I'm gonna get killed if I go out there. So that's the classic example, and that's what I'm encouraging you all to do, which was that I was able to, step into community and build connection with other like-minded people. And that really, really helped me um, overcome my porn addiction. So just to recap, looking at your different human needs, certainty, uncertainty, love, connection, significance, and out of those core four, which of those are you most meeting with your addiction? Let's say a porn addiction. And for me, it was certainty, relaxation, connection, intimacy, love, feeling wanted, feeling significant, all those needs I was meeting with pornography. And what I had to do was find other ways to meet those needs. So self-care, for example, I started to take a nap at every day, every day at the same time that I used to look at pornography. So instead of looking at pornography, I would get in my bed. I'd meditate, I'd relax. I'd maybe play a game online, like a video game to like relax my mind Uh, like a card game or something, I would just be in bed. And then ultimately, I would just fall asleep and take a nap. And I'd wake up 45 minutes to an hour later, totally refreshed. And I said to myself, I don't need to use pornography to feel refreshed. There are other ways to do this. My needs for uncertainty, instead of pornography, I started surfing, I took up different hobbies that met those needs in healthier ways. And love and connection was getting involved with local community, like-minded people, the AA 12-step meeting through my church, other things like that, that all helped me meet those needs in better ways. So those are some examples. Now, in addition to that, what really helped me was having extremely encouraging and boldly outspoken people in my life, very close to me, who were very, very anti-porn. Like strong married men, who were casting down and just spinning on pornography and saying, it's the worst thing. It's from the devil. It's evil. And that really helped me because here's what happened with me. I was really into pornography initially. And I talked about that in the last episode, then I graduated to chatting with other women and sexting with other women. And that became a really intense addiction for me. Uh, which I was able to handle mostly working with George and then by getting off social media, but the porn addiction still remained. And so in 2020 and then the beginning of 2021, I couldn't stop looking at porn. And I said, you know what, uh, it's not as bad as sexting and it's not really an addiction. I'm just using it sort of socially or moderately, which was totally not true. I was totally addicted, um, but I basically convinced myself that it wasn't that big of a deal and don't be so hard on yourself. And so I gave up trying to quit porn. And then what happened was I started hanging out with a lot of these men who were extremely, extremely anti porn, very boldly outspoken about how they had quit before they got married, how important it was that they honor their wives and take it out of their life and that they attack it head on in full force. And so that really woke me up to say, you know what, I'm going to do it now because I've said i want to do it. And it's been years of trying. And yes, I got rid of sexting, but porn has to go too. And so that really lit a fire under me of setting a really healthy goal that I hadn't even set for myself just based on who I had surrounded myself with. So when you start to surround yourself, let's say you want to be a millionaire. I was just talking to a friend about this today. Let's say you want to be a millionaire. Write down right now, who are the five people you spend your most time with and what is their income? You can write it down. I did this exercise five years ago and it was 100K, 120K, 150K, 200K, 80K. I did the math, divided by five. It's about $110,000 at the time. My base salary was 125. Then fast forward a number of years and I did the list again and it was 2 million, 1.5 million. A uh, guy who owns a business worth 10 million. A guy who pays himself 400,000. A few others did the math, divided it. And it was much more where I was at at that point with my business. So my point is, if you want to have something that you don't have, go hang out with people who have it. But the cool added bonus on top of that is when you go and hang out with these people who are operating at a higher level that you respect, that you admire, not only will you go to them because you want to say, have certain things that they have, but you'll wind up getting other things that will bless you in even more powerful ways that you didn't even know you wanted or needed that they also have. And that was the cool thing about hanging out in these communities was I started to spend time with people who had these incredible marriages and these deep personal relationships spiritually with themselves and a higher power. And I said, wow, I want that. So I'm gonna go hang out with those guys. And then by doing that, I've become stronger. I've become better with business. I've grown my company more i become more confident, physically more stronger, in better shape, quit pornography, all these other things that i didn't even initially set out to accomplish because i had surrounded myself with people who were looking at other areas that i wasn't even thinking about. so having extremely encouraging and bold community can be critical because i gave up on my porn addiction and i'm not saying i gave up forever. i was just in this continuous plateau of stuckness and couldn't quit and just saying, you know what, it's not that bad. I'm just going to kind of do it for right now. And it's not an addiction. And so my community and the people in my life pushed me to revisit it and to take a better look in the mirror. People who really encouraged quitting and helped me see that it had to go from my life too. So that was incredible. Now, the other couple things that really helped were having a really transformational recovery group. And so for me, that is a 12-step AA type group that is at the local church that I go to and it meets every week. And there's also a 12-step workshop twice a year. And that was incredible because it gave me even more human connection with other people going through it and people who had gotten to the other side. And one of the things that was great about George Collins, who I worked with was he was always there for me on the phone and we had these great conversations and he supported me and we did have a once a year retreat, but that's two or three and a half days per year of being in person with others versus every week, once or twice a week, being able to be in person with these leaders, to go to these meetings, to actually have physical in-person relationship building with these other humans. And I would go and I would stay after and I would talk to the leader of the group and I'd ask him all these questions on how I could, you know, get even more sober and lean into my recovery even better. And then sometimes I would stay after for a while and there'd be other people who had been relapsing from alcoholism or even uh, more destructive, uh, like methamphetamine and these other hard uh, substance-based drugs. And to talk to them and Pour into them and build those like real relationships. gave me so much growth, contribution, significance, connection, uncertainty. It's like talking about meeting all the human needs like massively and so much healthier ways than what pornography was for me. So finding a really powerful recovery group was critical for me, and I wish that had been pushed on me a little bit more when I was going through my initial recovery because. I, all I tried was one, I think it was called SAA, Sex Addicts Anonymous or something like that in New York City. And I went to one meeting and it was really uninspiring. And the guy who led it was for sure an active addict still. And I just kind of gave up. And I, I think I went to that meeting maybe twice. I know I went at least once. I remember it. And I just kind of gave up and said, you know, I guess like anything free or low cost can't be effective. I'll stick with my private coach. And all that and I'm paying a lot of money. And so I'm sure it'll be effective and it was helpful, but I wish I hadn't given up on groups like that. And I wish I had maybe found a better group or kept looking at least when I was living in New York because I didn't. And I think that prevented me from having a deeper transformation. And let's see what else, you know, and and then just to think about now, like ongoing maintenance for quitting is I am super, super involved with these local groups and I'm volunteering now and I'm speaking in these groups and I'm uh, helping facilitate dialogue and I'm pouring into and mentoring other people in the program, especially people who have porn addiction. And so once you achieve a certain level of sobriety and empowerment around your addiction, and then you go all in into your group and you start coaching and mentoring and supporting other people in that group, to me, there's no way I'm going to act out because I have so much of a healthy, positive identity and so many healthy needs that I'm being met. That are being met through this community that I get so much more pleasure than pain from acting out with porn, uh, or I'm sorry, I get much more pleasure by not acting out, right? Because by if I don't act out, then I have the ability to support others and continue to grow and. If I act out, I then have to go back, start my counter over, I've relapsed, my ability to help people, at least in the short term, goes way down. And I don't want to do that. I'd much rather continue to walk in my sobriety, knowing not only how it's going to impact me and my future, but also how it impacts these other people positively as well. So what I would really recommend is taking it, I really kind of take two things from this. One is doing a real deep dive into What is Porton doing for you? And where else could you get that met? And doing a really deep dive there. Like for me, community, personal relationships, like-minded men that I can hang out with, friends, doing life with other people, surfing, flying planes, growing my business, like finding a long and powerful list of engaging things that deeply meet your needs is critical and finding other ways to meet your needs. And then the other thing is really, Finding the right powerful, bold, encouraging, spiritual community that really casts down pornography. Because the minute you start hanging out with people that use porn or say it's not so bad, then it's so much easier to start doing it yourself, too. And you don't want to be in that position where you're the only one in your group that doesn't look at porn or you're the only one in your group that doesn't drink and then you're out with all your friends and they're pushing drinks on you how much harder is that does that make your sobriety if they're not really supportive in your recovery process so finding the right people a transformational recovery group i can't say enough about that i wish that i had kept looking when i was in new york for that community and for that group and finding it here in california has been really, really powerful because I've built some very close relationships with that community where I know that I can really lean on these people in times of need as necessary. And so looking at your human needs, looking for that bold community, prioritizing it and surrounding yourself with these people is really important. And I also wanna say one more thing, which is this is a, a process that took a lot of time and consistency And so I'm going to tell you all this, right? And you've listened to this and you're going to go implement it. But if you just quit porn or you're just trying to quit porn, and let's say you get a couple weeks of sobriety and then you act out and relapse, quit beating yourself up and being so hard on yourself. Because one of my mentors took him, I think, 10 years to achieve sobriety from pornography. For me, this was initially brought up by my first therapist, and I believe 2014, seven years ago, I really started all going all in on this process in 2016. So we're talking, you know, five years for me, at least five to seven years. And I have only been sober of this thing for April, May, June, July, August, five and a half months. So This feels really solid. I know this is done and I'm done. This is long-term and I have all the tools and my recovery group and everything, but I haven't even been sober this a year and I've been working at this for almost six years. So the inner work and transformation that I did over time to get to the place of even being comfortable going to a group like this that I'm in, to learning how to set boundaries with other people, to learn how to overcome my shame, to admit in public where I was at and what I'm dealing with, that probably took a couple of years just by itself. So I'm not trying to give you an out and say, okay, spend the next 20 years relapsing and you know, don't try too hard. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, give this your all, go all in with passion and intensity and power and love and everything you got. And if in the short term, you temporarily have one relapse, don't give it all up. Don't say you're a failure. Don't be hard on yourself get back on the horse and remember that for me and for pretty much everyone else I've met in this process, it took time and consistency to get to where I'm at. So good luck. I'll see you for part three. I'm so proud of you guys. and I'll see you soon. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Brendan Burns show. If it's your first time here, please make sure to subscribe on the Apple podcast app or in Spotify. Also, please leave us a rating or written review. This helps others learn about the show and spread the word to new and more people. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.